Welcome to Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts, where we discuss how to break into the performing arts industry for yourself or your child, teen or young adult. Guests include artists, creatives, casting directors, musical directors, choreographers, agents and managers, as well as parents of young professional actor, singer, dancers, all who are passionate and share my vision of helping talented individuals land professional representation and have successful careers in the arts. My name is Lisa Solek and I am the CEO and founder of Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts. Having helped hundreds of clients break into the business on stage, in films, television, commercial work, and more. This podcast is supplemental to my groundbreaking online courses, Professional Kids and Teens 101, a primer for parents, and Professional Biz 201 for young adults, college students, and graduates. For more information, check out all the ways you can benefit from my courses, programs, free weekly newsletters, and free guides. Go to lbctalent.com. My guest today is Casey Garvin. Hi, Casey. How are you? Hi, I'm doing so great. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you today. You are going to be opening a brand new Broadway show. It's coming really fast. So tell us what's been up <laughs> lately in the last few days for you. Yeah, so I'm currently rehearsing Some Like It Hot on Broadway, which is an awesome new musical. Very, very old school Broadway feel in the best way. Um, but kind of updated to to still hold up in today's climate and for today's audience. And it's just so amazing. I love the show. Uh, I can't wait to show people what we've been working on. Um, we just finished our four-week rehearsal process, and we have completed this week our first week of the tech process. And that's um, when so you're I'm, in the theater, correct? Yes, we're in the theater. We're in costumes. We have all of the elements of the set moving you know, on and off stage, we've got lighting, we've got sound, you know, there's everyone's department now is doing lots of stuff. It's not just a director and a music team and the actors in a room. It's, you know, it's stage managers, it's costume designers, it's sound designers, it's lighting designers. It's, it takes truly a village to put up mm -hmm. any show, but especially mm -hmm. a, a massive Broadway show mm -hmm. like we're doing. And how, and what role do you play in this particular show? I'm in the ensemble and I play a bit of a featured role, um, a gangster named Mac. You know, it's very 1930s oh, Italian mobster type. Okay, okay, know. I love it. Um, so I, I play Mac, the gangster, who's kind of like the kind of big dumb guy, um, which is fun to play, you know. Not too too much, we don't sit too much into the tropes of like old school Hollywood movies, but mm -hmm. you know, the idea of like kind of the big dumb gangster is, is still mm -hmm. really silly to me and really fun. Yeah, so I do that, and I cover Spatz Colombo, who is the head mobster, who I'm his kind of henchman, and I understudy Christian Borle, who plays Joe, um, who's kind of a lead of one of the leads of the show, which yes. is wild. Iconic, legendary actor, singer, dancer of Broadway. Uh, that yeah, it's very exciting. Yes, it's it's wild. I'm I feel very grateful to be you know, where I'm at now with my career, which is awesome. Yes. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. You we're going to get into all of the shows that you've been in because there's been so <laughs> many of them, but yeah. I want to go back, right. I want to go back to the beginning because there's a lot of listeners who are parents of young, talented children and teens. And some of them are in a place where they're wondering whether or not it's the time to get them involved in the professional side, or if they should just train them. And so being enlightened by someone like yourself, 
who started as a child actor is helpful or would be helpful to them. And so that they can kind of learn from your journey and, and where that came from, because being a child actor and then being able to also stay with it and be an adult actor is very unusual and very difficult and doesn't always happen. So this is, I'm excited to talk to you about that. So where did it start? When did you start? When did you find that you had an affinity for this? Sure. I, you know, I think I kind of, it almost feels like I fell into it as I think back on, on my memories, because I was always kind of an outgoing child. I was always loved performing. I loved putting on my mom's clothes and playing dress up and you know any I played every character in the Wizard of Oz in a in rotation (laughs) when I was four or five years old I loved being the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Lion and Dorothy at times or Toto at times you know it's just so so fun I just loved everything about um singing and dancing and performing before I even knew what that really was and I think um my parents took me to see Broadway shows you know we grew up in New Jersey so I I was always aware of what theater was. I always would sit there and feel, you know, the tingles as the overture started for Broadway shows, which still happens. Same, um, same with me. I'm yeah. the same way. Oh, it's the best. It's the best feeling in the world. And so I think my parents recognized that, which I think is probably the most important thing for a parent with a child who maybe they think, should I put my child in theater is like, if they get to a theater and that happens to them, like put them in immediately, you know, any acting class, any dance class, just because you recognize like, oh, they, they are connecting to the point, the whole, you know, the, the, the performance, the, the music, the, and the, the healing lovely part of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I, you know, I, my mom took me to a manager cause someone recommended that I do commercials cause I was outgoing as a kid and that, that, played out (laughs) successfully, um, which I recognize how, I guess, fortunate I was. I had no, I I had no idea in the matter. I wasn't training, you know, I wasn't. Yeah, that was the next question, actually. Were you in any training at that age? And how old were you? Do you remember when you first got signed? I think I was six or seven. I think I was pretty young. really young. Yeah, I, I, I think. And I had gone in for commercials, but I, I uh, read the little scripts that they gave me and I just imagined like I used to read in school or have the teachers read to me in school and they were so expressive with their words. And I remember thinking, okay, I'll just read it like my teacher reads it and be really expressive with my words. And I followed the directions that the managers told me to to do, you know, be really expressive, be really outgoing be really you know, excited to be reading. That is so young because honestly, and this day and age now, usually a child who is like eight and under, they don't really sign them. They'll say, well, we'll mm. send you out and see what happens because they're so young and there's all those changes that are going to happen as they start to sure. age. So you were successful right away. Do you remember your first audition or your first booking or is it just a blur? Because you were very I, I might have been a little older. I might have been eight. I might have been nine. I can't I, I truly can't remember. I remember enjoying it as a young kid. Um, but I, yeah, maybe I had auditioned at maybe seven or eight. Anyway, I do remember mm-hmm. going into the city for auditions. Okay. Um, and the first thing that I booked was a Chuck E. Cheese commercial. Okay. And um, I had so much fun doing that. I just remember thinking like, wow, people are putting clothes on me that I don't own. And I get to <laughs> eat the pizza on, on, you know, there's a camera in front of me and all I have to do is, okay, action. And I just had to eat pizza really quickly. And they told me to spit it into a bucket and I didn't spit it into a bucket because I was like, why would I waste the pizza? Um, (laughs) 
and I remember that. And and for a few years, I think it was fairly successful. I did a, a couple commercials, a couple industri- uh, not industrials, but um, like print industrials, I guess, where they film a portion of it and then it, they end up taking pictures from that mm-hmm. um, and putting them on an ad uh, mm-hmm. for like Nasacort nasal spray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a, a Toys R Us catalog. And it wasn't, I don't think, incredibly serious at the time. It wasn't, you know, or rather it was serious and it was professional, but it wasn't like I was booking TV shows or I wasn't booking Broadway musicals, but I was going in, you know, I definitely remember auditioning with Nick Jonas for Les Mis. And, really? you know, I was, I remember going in at that point, I definitely didn't make it past the initial audition. I wasn't uh-huh. very good actually okay. until, um, until later on in life, but okay. uh, yeah, my mom was like, Oh, we remember hearing about those kids and we saw them in a, in a church production when they were young and, through mutual friends and apparently I was auditioning with Nick Jonas and he got it. So good for him. But (laughs) (laughs) that's hysterical. So, so you remember the fun, it sounds like it was fun. I mean, you're laughing and smiling and it was all fun. Did it feel a little bit more like an extracurricular activity to you? Did you know that this was a big deal? Did you realize you were living in the adult world in those moments? You know, I don't think I did. I think I saw it as an extracurricular, but in in the sense that it was something that I really enjoyed. I think that, okay. in, in, and, and I had started dance classes, I think maybe around the same time, if not a year later, because okay. it was acting. And then, you know, Shirley Grant, who was my manager, who's, I, I think she's passed actually. Yes, so. yeah. Um, yeah, may she rest in peace. But she, uh, you know, signed me and seemed to enjoy me. But she said, you know, if he wants to go in for, the musicals because it seems like he wants to do that he needs to sing he needs to take dance class so after they signed me or rather if they hadn't signed me as soon as they started sending me out on things to see how it goes um then they said you know take take those classes and I did and I enjoyed dance the most I think because it was something I did every day after school Okay. So that was extracurricular and that was the train where the training really started. Okay. And then I took an acting class or two as a kid and I had a voice teacher. Uh, her name was Bernice Elkin. I think she's, a, she was a pretty famous voice teacher. She taught the Annie's I believe on the original production of Annie. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And she was uh, Shirley Grant's cousin, I think, but okay. she was, I, I remember going to her house once a, once a week, um, and singing and just enjoying that. It became more challenging and, and more uh, harder. It was a hard, it was hard work. And I don't yes. think once I realized that it was going to take work to do it, <laughs> I was a little less inclined. It wasn't just putting on costumes. It wasn't just eating pizza in front of a camera. Right. It's hard. It's what yeah. we do is hard, you know, and you need to train. Yes. There's only so far that natural talent, which can get you very far mm-hmm. and is great to have you know, you need a balance of, of natural instincts and yes. train training. Yes, yes. And you know what? Let's t- let's talk about that for just one second. I think the training is so important. And I try to drive home all the time to my clients and to people who are taking my courses now to say mm. the training needs to be something that's always happening. Like, I yeah. feel like there's a lot of parents out there and maybe it's driven by the kids because we're in a different, you know, time now with the phones and the information highway yeah. and all the things that they have access to with the computer. But they tend to just want to do shows and they don't want to train because, of course, exactly what you're saying when you're a kid, it's fun to be in the shows. But on the other side of it, you do need to keep the training going because when you are in a show as a kid, as a teen in high school, it's hard because you're just, oh, you know, your time is so consumed by being in the performance and being a part of that. It's fun. And then you have the social 
aspect of it ties in as well. But when you're not in a show, you need to be training because someone yeah. else is. So, yeah. you know, someone else that is your peer is training, you know, and that's true, whether it's at a high school level or at a professional level, but most definitely, Correct. I think the parents are driven by what the kids want to do many times. And mm. so at least nowadays, and so they don't want to continue that training. So it, right. it makes it tricky. And exactly what you said, it's work now. Yeah. It's not just putting on costumes. I think that's such a really good point to drive yeah. that you have to go, okay, totally. how bad do I want this? So how bad did you want it? You know, I think there, there was a point there then after maybe like 10-ish until maybe 14, where then it was kind of like, do I want this? You know, and then you do get, you deal with bullying a little bit, especially mm -hmm. as a young boy. Mm -hmm. um, you deal with bullying and you deal with maybe not, being as good as you were when you started or, or mm -hmm. transitioning, you go through yes. lots of transitions between yes. six years old and 16 years old. And then yes. again, at 16 to 26, you know, and well, that's you know, like, yeah. you're, you're constantly changing. Absolutely. Um, the body types changing for males, the voice is changing, yeah. you know, for women as well, that happens, but obviously not as intently as what happens with a male voice, but you're dealing with all of that. So it becomes really at some point you have to make a choice, you know, what do I want to do? So, okay, let's go back. So you were training in dance, you started yeah. taking voice and you were doing some acting classes. So yes. did you continue to audition during that time or did you take a break? I did. Okay. I did. I never really took a break from auditioning. Um, and sometimes I would have more auditions and less Sometimes I would care about them more and other times, sometimes it did feel like work. And luckily my mom was very supportive and, and, was was just as driven as I was in the times when I wanted to do it. And when I didn't want to do it, she would say, get in the car, you have an audition that's, you know, and she did push. I think the balance was great. Uh, it wasn't, you know, if I, at the times when I said I didn't want to do it, it was, do you actually not want to do it? Or are you just kind of being lazy right now? Which I think we should listen to kids and, and listen and hear them, really hear them as to why they're saying they do or don't want to do something. But at the same time, you know, it's easy to want to sit home and not do much, you know, and I, I gained a little bit of weight as a, as a 10, 11 year old, 12 year old kid and didn't like being very active. And I liked going to dance sometimes, but really dance class, I started not enjoying either. I, mm. I didn't enjoy really any of it. And I wanted to quit and I had goals that I had set. Like I wanted to be the prince in our production of the Nutcracker mm -hmm. and then um, was passed over for that. And was kind of like, well, what am I doing? I, th I think I want to ride bikes with my friends. Yes. Yes. And then yeah. um, that was in about seventh grade, you know, middle school when things yeah. are pretty challenging. They, I went through a lot of bullying and a lot of uh, ridicule for being a boy dancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was still something about it, which was the performing that I still really loved. And even though I wasn't very good, and even though I didn't like working hard, I still loved performing. So that I think was what kept me going and what my mom and dad saw as the continuing driving force to support me. Okay. And to say, we're gonna drive you into these auditions. We're gonna keep paying for dance classes. Mm -hmm. We're gonna pick you up from school. And even if you're tired and don't really wanna go, we're still gonna drop you off at dance. Yes. You yeah. know, and my my dance teacher was, was a good, uh, you know, a healthy fear of her. When she came into the room and told you to get into class, you got into class, you okay, know? Okay. And she, she ran a tight ship 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm appreciative of that because mm-hmm. then uh, a time came where I, a spark, you know, I got a, a bit of a spark or things clicked. And I remember at nationals that summer going from seventh into eighth grade, I grew a few inches, I cut my hair off and on stage, I had a solo where I was supposed to do two pirouettes and just land in the middle of the girls and kind of nod my head. And I hit something on the stage and I did like five pirouettes and held the passe at the end and was like, whoa, what did I just do? And everyone screamed in the audience, like all my whole team. And I thought, I want to be able to do that every time. Oh, you're giving me chills. That's amazing. (laughs) Such a moment. Thank you. And it's a little bit of luck, you know, the luck was there. But I also think at that point, I kind of was like, maybe I do like doing this. Mm -hmm. And so the next year, you know, all of eighth grade was still a little bit of uh, maybe, maybe not. But I think I was trying harder. Mm -hmm. And in trying harder, I started seeing results. And from those results, I started being like, well, if I want to be good at performing, because I like performing, maybe I have to put in the work to do it. And so I think the the point of all of that, of that middle school era of wanting to take little breaks is like supporting the, your child and supporting yourself as a child to, to, to letting it, you know, wane a little bit, letting the, the energy perhaps take that back seat for a second to really figure out if it's something you want to do. Because then when you take that rest and when you take that moment, then you might see, well, there is something I still love. And so really tuning into what is it about it? then that you're still enjoying. If it's the performing, then take a second and then get back in the room and work harder. Because mm-hmm. if you want to perform and you love performing, you're going to have to work to get good at it. Yes. That is such <laughs> great then, advice. And then my freshman year of high school, I really like was all in. And okay. I took two ballet classes every day and and started figuring out how how I could get better. How I could mm-hmm. see the people who were the guys who were dancing on Broadway at the time which right before my like high school, like big transition into really auditioning and, and or auditioning as an adult, even mm-hmm. at 15, 16, mm-hmm. um, sure. was like West Side Story was coming in that revival in 2009. Yes, I remember. And so I saw a bunch of guys dancing on stage. And I was like, if I see them, how did they dance? How mm-hmm. do I get to be good like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you identify, I always ask new clients that I work with, whether they identify as, a dancer first and then a singer and then an actor or an actor singer dancer do they identify as a singer and if they identify specifically as a dancer what genre of dancer do they identify first as so how do you identify now now it's tricky because i also want to start playing roles and i want i'm ready for that and like i leads, feel like i put the leads, work in lead roles yeah, yeah even yeah. if it's a dance heavy show but you know, I think now there are so many incredible dancers on Broadway that I don't know if I would consider myself a dancer first anymore. I think I am a performer first. I know I that's kind that. of the, <laughs> that's yes. kind of the, the the scapegoat of the you know. No, no, no! It, it, it's but, a perfect segue yeah. from what you were just saying because what did you love the most? You loved the performing. Performing, yeah. The storytelling. And, Yes, the story. I'm a storyteller in whatever capacity that right. is. You know, sometimes it's as an actor and taking text mm-hmm. and interpreting text and delivering that text in the way that is personal to me and the story and the character. Sometimes it's singing. I have worked so hard on my singing voice, which was, I think, always kind of lacking. I always had an ability to read something and be honest with the material and 
you know, replicate it through rehearsals. That the acting part of it was always somewhat natural for me. You know, I'm not doing Hamlet, but you know, for, for commercial Broadway theater and musicals, it's always been pretty like, okay, I know how to take a side and read it. So when I was considered myself a dancer first, I was a dancer who was a great actor who could also sing fairly well. Understood. And now I'm working really hard at being a true triple threat performer, storyteller. And I would love to, I would love to be an actor first in terms of my skill set in, in the next few years as I transition from being a young adult to a, an adult adult. <laughs> yes, 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 of you course, know? of course. Okay, yeah. so take us, now take us fast forward to when you started auditioning for stage work for the musical theater space and how that journey, you know, how that journey began and then how it went initially and how old were you at that time? I had stayed with my manager from childhood to teenage years into my early or my late teens, you know, 14, 15. I was still auditioning and auditioning for professional musicals, um, but I was auditioning as a teenager at that point. So Bye Bye Birdie Revival. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I was in I was in for that, you know, pretty far, actually. That was the first time that I was like, whoa. I'm getting callbacks now. That's crazy. Kind of yeah. Where I started noticing like, oh, maybe I'm getting better because mm -hmm. I'm getting callbacks. And not only did I get a callback, I was in like two rounds of callbacks, almost to final callbacks, which was okay. awesome. And um, I live with Bethany Tessark, who- Oh, are you kidding? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> who wild. I know is good friends with both your boys. Yeah. Um, she was in that, which is really hysterical that we might've been in auditions together. Right. Um, right. So then- that was like 14, 15. And then around 16, I started, I knew that paper mill would cast 16 year olds. And so I went to, they did on the town. I think I actually never saw it, but I believe they did on the town probably around 2009 or 2010. And that was my first audition as an adult. And I went into the ECC, the equity oh. chorus call, not even yeah. through my manager. Okay. And that was the point where I started looking up auditions and I started doing the work you know, my manager got me into things, but they were getting me into things as a teenager, as a, mm -hmm. as a kid still. And I already was like, you know what? I think I want to do this even a step further. And I think yeah. because I appeared older, you know, I, I, I think when I was 16, I probably looked 20 mm -hmm. and was tall and, you know, mm -hmm. broad and looked mm -hmm. like a, an adult male. Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, I think I think that's definitely something that the listeners can learn from that even though you were wrapped, you still had to do your own footwork. You know what I mean? Like you still have to do some of that work and the networking and all the things that you need to do to get yourself into the right circles of people or into the right auditions. Like it's not just up to them because they're doing a ton of work for you, but then you have to also do this. So this is interesting. So right. you're 16 and I'm you're 16, seeking I'm... out your own yeah. audition this is amazing yeah it's perfect and I it's it. it's especially if you're repped as a dancer first like nine times out of ten you have to go wait at an equity chorus call or a non-equity you know if you're non-equity you're going to a chorus call you're waiting in line in the non-equity line to see if they'll even see you that's the kind of work that you have to put in mm -hmm. you know not everyone can have an agent right off the bat not everyone who has an agent will get seen even if you're right for it they might only be taking 50 people to be seen for this one track and you could go to an equity call and be one of 300 people, but at least you're getting seen by doing the own, your own work. And mm -hmm. you also have to remember at these appointments that your, your reps are putting you in for, there's probably people who have done a few Broadway shows and have done yes. in the same pool. So if they're picking 50 people, they might pick 
15 people who have never done anything, who have representation, who's saying, no, you really need to see this person. They're perfect for the role. But then you've got 35 people who are getting in the room because they've done two Broadway shows, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so that's just the reality of the business side of it. So you do have to hustle on your own quite a bit. And that I found was the best learning experiences because I wasn't going in with any pressure. I was going in hoping to be seen. And then I went in and I auditioned, especially for this on the town. I made it through the first combo, which was like a, a you know, count of eight across the floor jazz combo. And I thought, okay. okay, I've made it to the next round. And then they cut people and I went in and then it was a, you know, six counts of eight ballet combo. And then I got cut and I thought, okay, that was my first kind of step into dancing. As and an that adult. was smart of you to go yeah. in. Like you said, with no pressure, there was no, nothing attached to it. You just wanted to go in right. and kind of get seen. And that's, yeah was smart. And I had no idea what it was like. I knew what having an agent or a manager submitting you for a commercial was like. You go, you sign in, you write your agent and their phone number, you go in, you slate, you read the sides and you leave. That's <laughs> what I knew. I didn't know, okay, you come in with a group of 30 other people, you learn and across the floor, they make a cut, then you go and then they bring the next 20 people in. You learn a big combo, they make a cut. The next 12 people do one more combo and then five people sing. And then one of those people maybe gets the job. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm actually totally reliving being in Pearl Studios or being in Chelsea Studios. May Chelsea Studios also rest in peace while it existed. Right. Um, uh, you know, being in there and being so excited, like, how far did I get? The excitement then became less about performing and more about, like, trying to outdo myself each okay. time. Trying to say, okay, this time I'm going to try to make it to singing. This time I'm going to try to make it the to the second dance combo. The challenge was there. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you were a gamer. Are you a gamer? Do you consider yourself a gamer? I am, I am a gamer. Yeah. I yeah. do. I love video games and I love board games. And yeah, it was you a different like, you how, yeah, how far can you get in this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents went through a little bit of a financial, uh, a period of, a little bit of financial struggle. So mm -hmm. the motivation to get a job was there, but I was you know, some kids can work at Starbucks. That's awesome. Some kids can work at McDonald's. That's awesome. Whatever you have a passion for, or whatever's going to give you some money. That's fantastic. Do what you got to do. Help out mom and dad, help out yourself, earn your own money. That's great. But for me, I was like, I'm performing. That's what I'm going to do to make that's money. So great. <laughs> um, I also worked bar mitzvahs uh, at 17, 18 years old. I was like a motivational like a hype, dancer hype dancer yeah. <laughs> and that was the club that was like as far away from performing as I would let myself get just okay. because I was like all I want to do ever that's when I really also started just like falling totally in love with it was 16 17 18 okay. I was like all I want to do 24 hours a day is be mm. at a dance studio or yeah. be doing plays yeah. so you became like laser focused at that point Yes. And it was in my, my teenage years that I really like, it was something I had always enjoyed and at times loved, but in high school, it was what I had to do. There mm -hmm. wasn't another option. It just mm -hmm. was, I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why I, that's another reason why I started auditioning was to help my parents out. You know, they okay. needed a little bit of help to, to pay for dance class. And, mm -hmm. uh, I was like, okay, well then I'll, I'll see if I can get a job and, and see if I can, you know, pay for my, ta my own tap shoes. <laughs> right, right. So, what, <laughs> you know? so what happened? So what show did you book at the, did you end up booking paper mill? I did. I booked Peter Pan at paper mill the end of my junior year of high school. Wow. And I would do 30 minutes of school every day 
because I lived in Jersey. So there's also okay. like the, the benefit of growing up right outside the city, as, as mm-hmm. you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would do 30 minutes of school from 8 to 8.30 and then get driven into the city to start rehearsals from 10 to 6. And then would go home. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it was just so wild. And I wish I remembered more of it. I think it was so much of a whirlwind mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. working professionally and yeah. at yeah, 17 definitely. years old. Yeah, um, well, the hours that you're putting in, you know, it, it's it, it and it's something that you love. And now you're mixed in a community of people who share that love for performance. And so everything is just so heightened, I would yeah. think, in that moment. And then was school supportive? Can you kind of segue over into that for a moment? Sure. School was... I went to a private school and it was a very kind of prestigious college prep school and they were fine with helping me out by giving me some of the schoolwork that I missed. But they did say if if I had plans, because at this point I was also auditioning quite a lot and getting to the end of things. Oh, quite a good. Lot. <laughs> okay, okay. And so I was like, I'm going to work. I'm leaving school. I'm going on tour, you know? Right, of course. And, um, I will also add in, I had auditioned for West Side Story like 30 times before I finally booked the first national tour right after high school. But there were two or three times when I thought I I was between me and someone else um, when I was like 16, 17. And then again, when I was 17 that summer. So I was determined in that final callback this summer before my senior year of high school that I probably wasn't going back to school. Um, And my best friend had done online schooling Mm -hmm. her senior year the year before I ended up doing it. And so I thought, you know what, you know, we don't need to pay all this money for me to go for my senior year at a college prep school. It is very clear that I'm not gonna go to be a lawyer. You yeah, know, you're not gonna do academia, yeah. Yeah, and now actually in, in life, you know, that's something I'm I'm looking into as an, in, a, in addition to my performing life. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so school was kind of like, if you plan on doing this in the fall, you know, maybe don't come back. <laughs> I, did. Okay. I, I, I don't know how it would have been if I were in public school, because at public school, there would have been a little bit more of a, they have to kind of work with me on this because it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm enrolled in this, in the town school district, but right. because it was more of a choice school that I was choosing to be there, they were kind of like, you know, your grades slipped a lot. <laughs> you don't really plan on going to college. You don't plan on being here maybe in September, October, because I also was in for final callbacks for Hairspray at Paper Mill that fall. And so they were like, you know, take a, take a think on that one if you really <laughs> want to be here. Uh, and I was like, I don't actually want to be here. <laughs> and that is also to say, like, I was a smart kid. I had pretty good grades. You know, I was an AB student up until my junior year. And then I, all I wanted to do was dance. So I became an AB high C student. Understood. Understood. <laughs> Not that I'm encouraging bad grades, but I think that because I, I was able to do the work as well and kind of, you know, sometimes I wouldn't do my homework, but I'd always get a hundred on a test. Oh, so I, I didn't feel like, you know what, do I really have to get this done? Or is it more important to go to sleep at one o'clock in the morning Absolutely, to get up for school? Because I was at dance until 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So I would also say, this is maybe a good time to say to parents and to kids, like if your kid is in high school and later on in high school, and they might miss a homework assignment because they're pursuing their career and their passion, like maybe let the one paper slip you know what I mean like maybe don't push so hard 
choose, pick your battles and, yeah. and, yeah. and allow your child to let you know what they need. Because I definitely felt there were many moments in school where I had to write a 20 page paper and was like, this is going to probably be bad because mm -hmm. I get to dance at four o'clock and then I leave at 10 mm -hmm. and I have three hours of homework to do and I have to get up at seven o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and I'm exhausted physically because I've been dancing for six <laughs> hours. So like, I think the balance is important and schooling is obviously very important, but if you're at that point where you really want to be a pro in the performing arts career, it's like, let, let some of that slip through a little bit mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and push yourself to get it all done. Yeah. Don't let the use focus it. Be that. Yeah. Don't, don't use it as an excuse, but Correct. keep yeah. the focus where it needs to be because there's no reason yeah. to stay up till three in the morning, writing a paper that's going to be, you know, subpar yeah. when you could go to sleep and be at your best the next day to get a hundred on that test that they're giving in the other class. Right. Yeah. For sure. Right. For sure. So wait a minute. I'm going to back you up for one second. You auditioned 30 times or approximately it felt like it was for yeah. Westside. I had counted it by the when I finally booked it, but it was something between 20 and 30. I had gone in for the international tour, which I think was my second audition ever after the on the town paper mill. I was 16 and oh my gosh, I so made young. it through. Yeah. And I would leave school and my mom would pick me up and take me in and you know I'd go all day it's crazy that she did that actually now in retrospect but she <laughs> knew that that's what I wanted to do you know sure. so yeah she was being um, supportive mm -hmm. and after the first couple when it seemed like okay like he's learning a lot here he's growing a lot um but yeah so I auditioned for the international tour and I made it through the first two rounds I got through the first the one eight across the floor again and then you know got cut after this the first combo and I was like I am going back and I'm getting further. And the West Side auditions were always the same. It was always a count of eight across the floor to Jet Song. And then it was cool. And then it was the ballet combination. And then mm. you sang. And then you did, like, I. then the final callbacks were a different day with other material. And so, yeah, I would go. And I was like, if I can get to ballet this time, I'll be good. And then I made it through the ballet and got cut after ballet. And then I was like, okay, if I can make it to singing. You know, and it was, again, the game of, like, I would just go back and go back and go back. And so then when the revival happened, it had run for, I think, a year or a couple of years. And I was in for a swing track and to cover a couple of the guys. And okay. that's the first time I had made it to the end for West Side. Yeah. Okay. okay. And I was like, whoa. And I think it's because they wanted younger people. I think in the original version of the revival, they wanted to go with like teenagers. Oh, they did. Um, not okay. the most recent revival, the revival in 2009. Yeah. And so I, I was just in so much. And I was like, would stand at the ballet bar every day, like holding my passe. And I was like, you're not going to book West Side Story if you don't hold that passe a second longer, you know? And, and that was my motivation. That mm -hmm. was the one thing that kept driving me was West okay. Side Story. Okay. And then my junior into senior year, of high school, I was in very final callbacks for the first national tour. And at that point, I had been in again, 15, 16 times, something like that. And so I was like, please let me get it. And I didn't, which was good, I think, because when I booked okay. it a year later for the second year of the first okay. national, okay. I felt ready. I oh, felt like, all okay, right. This all is... right. And that was when I was going to go to college. And I decided to go on tour instead. Okay, so you were 18 then going out on yeah. tour when I finally booked it. Yeah. That's persistence and initiative and all the things you need to just keep this career going forever. Honestly, you yeah. know, to have that kind of like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Unbelievable. Congratulations yeah. that you did Thank that. Thank you.
That's right. amazing. And so, it really was. It was a life-changing tour. And was, I, it? I, was it? Yeah. I mean, I believe very fully in like the universe and whatever it is for you, God, the universe, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, being exactly where you should be at the right time and everything, your path always being your path. I was there at the right time. It was one of those universe moments. And I had, I fell in love for the first time. I was on the road for the first time. I was doing the show I always wanted to do. And then I moved to the city right after that, almost okay. a year later. Wow. So did you feel taken care of during that tour? Because as a parent listening to your story, they're probably thinking 18 years old and now he's going to be <laughs> let loose to go across the country with a, you know, like joining the circus. See ya. Sure. Yeah. I mean... Did I feel taken care of? Yes. Yeah, by the cast I, and the crew and whatever. By the cast and everyone. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. I think if you're going out on the road, you have a you have a safe bubble that you're mm -hmm. going out there with, especially if it's an equity tour. Um, I know there's all sorts of different kinds of jobs for different people in unions, sure. but an equity tour, everyone's taken care of for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, we had our company managers who fly with us, who take us city to city mm -hmm. and deal with us on a daily basis for whatever we need. You know, I was learning a lot but you have to, you have no other choice. It was, you know, and I do think that I, I would have had a similar experience had I been living in New York city on my own in okay. college. You know, mm -hmm. I actually probably learned a lot more on the road, being in a safe space, being kind of funneled or shuffled to different cities to do my job and to do a job. You can't be going out partying and going crazy. You know, there's, there's, there's a, a place for everything, but this is a hard business. You can't be going crazy all the time. You know, in college, there's obviously a sense of like, woo, we're away from home. And I think I probably would have done that more my freshman year of college than I did on the road because I was with adults. I was with, you know, yeah. 20, 30, 40 year olds who were, you know, on Sunday nights. And again, I was 18, so I don't condone underage drinking, but on Sunday nights at the end of a, at the end of a, uh, a week of in a city, we'd all go out and have a really fun time. And then you travel on Monday and you get into a new city and you're there to do your job and you do your job all week. And sometimes you go grab dinner after the show or there's cool events happening in the city. I got to see so much of the United States at 18 and getting paid to do it, which I think is huge. Yeah, um, absolutely. It totally is huge. Any of those. I have a, a client who recently booked the international tour of West Side Story as a swing. Oh, yeah. As a swing, yeah. who this is just recently, I think they're just in rehearsals or they're getting ready to go to Germany to start rehearsals. And he's covering both shark, all the shark tracks and <laughs> the jet tracks because of the type that he is, which is incredible and insane. And he's having to leave school because he was in college for a couple of years and he's leaving school. Sure. Same, just, you know, was going to take a bye year, but then we ended up sitting on, uh, you know, COVID land. So I obviously did some research ahead of having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so you did a lot of off-Broadway before- I did. Before booking the Broadway shows. So if we recap for a second, you had a manager who was sending you in for primarily commercial work. It sounds like some print, um, maybe a few other things, but not really the legit work, which is film TV stage. And then you on your own kind of found and opened that door to the stage yeah. opportunity. Now you have a huge credit because yeah. going on a national tour is a huge credit. Now your name is highlighted and circled you know, <laughs> by casting and yeah. they're saying, this is a guy we need to look at. This is a, totally. this is one of those top 10 that are walking into that, that union audition. So what ended up happening? Did you, did your, 
manager end up sending you for these auditions or did you continue to find the stage opportunities yourself? How did that work out? A mix of both. And I will also just add on to all of that. I did, I was getting a few big things too. Like occasionally a movie would come through, oh, occasionally okay. a Broadway show would come through. Um, okay. So I wasn't doing entirely the Broadway stuff on my own okay. or the big stuff, you know, on my own. But, uh, you know, and I had a, a one time I they did a reboot of a show called Skins, which was on TV in the UK and they needed uh, an out gay teen dancer who could tap dance. And I was like, I got, I'm right here. <laughs> and I actually made it through and, and didn't screen test or anything, but got to the very end and they decided to make it uh, a female identifying cheerleader instead of a male oh, tap dancer okay. just to change it. And it was on MTV in you know, the late 2010s. Okay. Early 2010s. I think I remember so, this. I remember Yeah. That. And actually, I don't know if it did very well, but so I was still getting stuff from them. And mm -hmm. I then immediately booked another tour. Uh, I booked the Anything Goes tour, but I also was in for Bear off Broadway, oh, yeah. um, which was a musical version of what was a pop opera in the early 2000s. And I booked both at the same time and I got those auditions through my manager. Okay. But at that point, obviously casting knows again, then things started coming in right. a lot more. And right. it was primarily big stuff. It was like regional theaters, off-Broadway shows. But I do think it's a balance of them submitting me for things and also the work that I, the effort that I did. By the time I was 18 and going in for, or about to leave on tour for Westside and had been in for other things, I was starting to really come into my own. And it was like, wait, who is this kid who's 6'2", who can <laughs> sing fairly well and dance incredibly well and also act naturally who is this newcomer exactly. and then I booked Westside and came back and it was like it did feel a little bit and I understand the privilege and all of those things that I have in my package but also I had put the work in so it was yes. luck and privilege combined with hard work and being ready at the right time absolutely um, it's that's like the, what it's I think like a the career floodgates open for yeah. you, you know yeah, and a little it's bit. funny yeah it's funny because I've had I had mentors years ago who said one specifically who played in an orchestra, many orchestras actually mm. on Broadway when he was young, he's older now and living out of the area. But he said to me, just wait, you get one of those doors ajar and you get your big toe in there and you wiggle your way in and that inner <laughs> circle of what this community is, is going to welcome you with open arms. And the, it's like the floodgates open and all the opportunities yeah. are right in front of you. This is Obviously, it sounds like that. That's what it felt like. It did. It did. And uh, yeah, and and I ended up staying in the city, which I think was a huge decision because I was I could either go on tour for another year with a great Broadway revival, or I could stay in the city and risk it for an off Broadway revival. Uh, but it was a new version of a show. Sure. Yeah. And and I did, and I stayed in the city, and it didn't op stay open very long, and it closed in January, and I was like, oh my god, I just I you know, and then I was just living in the city, and I was doing do in life real life Were you kind of like now what the floodgates opened for auditions but then it took a while to book something else and i think that's just because i'm not quite sure why other than just sometimes it, even if you're great and you're talented and you're ready to go like sometimes the thing that's right for you just isn't open well, yeah if you don't match yeah exactly because if you're not yeah. the right type for that project, yeah. you know, like the casting offices always talk about, oh, you know, you have to be the right puzzle piece, which is so true because I've been on that side of things and you could love 10 different guys, 10 different women and want all of them to be in your show. But unless they fit that exact puzzle piece to cut to yeah. fit into that show, it's really difficult. So you sometimes have to wait. You just have to keep auditioning yeah. or keep looking at a, and 
continue to train? Were you training? I continue to train. I was. I, so this is a good lesson, as I'll get into as we continue to progress through time, is that there was then a time between like 23 and 26, 27, where I lost my way a little bit. You know, I didn't get the college experience. I felt like I had missed out on some things, honestly, to be completely transparent, mm -hmm. um, which is why I think having a balanced life that encourages learning and encourages training and encourages making lots of cool connections with people and cr creating artistically in different types of fields and also having things that you love to do that aren't theater are so important mm -hmm. because the ups and downs of theater are difficult and you get to a point maybe where I thought I don't need to take dance class and I lost technique because that's how it works some of it's obviously still there and I take two ballet classes and all of a sudden I'm like whoa I'm pulled up. I'm feeling great. But I'll tell you what, before I take those two classes, I don't feel that. <laughs> I yeah. feel a little sluggish. I feel a little heavier, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I did lose my way a little bit and wasn't working as much. I mean, I've had a very beautiful career and it's been awesome, but I could see the difference from, you know, 22, 18 to 22 when I was hustling and I was hungry and I wanted it and I was training and doing whatever it took. So then feeling comfortable and feeling like, ah, whatever, it's fine. And lost some technique, you know, wasn't on my A game and things slowed down and I wasn't booking the shows that I wanted to book. I was getting shows and I was working, mm -hmm. but in the things that I was like, not always entirely happy with, or that felt like, ah, oh, I missed out on the, the, the better stuff or the bigger stuff or the mm -hmm. things where I could have been covering a lead, but I wasn't quite prepared vocally and I hadn't been working as hard and the life kind of came in, you know, so I think from a young age, I wish I had known to just expand my brain and my yes. circle a little bit to take in life, real life. Yes. And, yes. and how now as almost a 30 year old, how that also has made me a much better artist, you know, as an actor, you have to pull from all sorts of things. And even if you've never been in an experience, you have to find the closest thing to that or whatever you can connect to, to, you know, kind of weave those thoughts into a character or a, a situation in a scene. And so by having more things in life, you have a bigger pull to do that. Yes. And that is also to say that then you also just become a better human, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is important first and foremost. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's really, really good advice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's so true that you do have to do other things. Like I know with my clients over the years, I've always said, if your child has an opportunity to go to the birthday party where they're going to get to ride horses, go mm. to the birthday party and ride, let them ride horses, like let them yeah. do these things so that, and of course it's also wonderful to have on their special skills list at the bottom of their <laughs> rides horses, <laughs> but, but it, you know, it, it can be extrapolated to, you know, everything in life, like you're saying, because you want to have these artistic outlets, you want to have these networks where you can, be expressive and do what you love and you and when you're with these other people that can open up other doors to other bigger projects or other projects totally. that you may end up choreographing or directing right. or being on that side of the fence you know yeah you just never know right which is yeah totally crazy okay so let's let me ask you this broadway debut yeah, yep. you have to tell us about this and about how, <laughs> how that happened and what it felt like to be on that broadway stage was it something that was a, a goal that felt like it was far reaching or did you know it was right there for you to take and it was just a matter of time? I think I felt that 
I had to put the time in before I would book a Broadway show. I think I, I had assumed that I would continue to hustle and I would continue to make connections and I would continue to work hard and then I would book a Broadway show, which I think is almost goes back to saying like, no, and then you book a Broadway show and then you work harder, which is what <laughs> I didn't do. But, um, <laughs> and I thought that's it. I'm going to, eventually it'll come. I don't think I was on a timeline. I didn't think it was 10 years in the future. I didn't think it would be next month. I just was kind of taking it day by day actually, which I think is a healthy way to look at it because mm -hmm. if you're waiting for the show, if you're like, where is it? Where yeah. is it? You know, it might, it might hold you back a little bit instead of taking the opportunities because I stayed in the city. I waited six months. It was actually tying back into when I did my first off-Broadway show. I was doing a regional gig. I was doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat up at Ogunco Playhouse. Show. I do too. I, I couldn't wait to do the show and then I booked it that summer. I think it's underrated. Um, I think the average person doesn't like, yeah. they don't think, oh, I'm going to go see that. I'm going to go see that one. You know, I love yeah. it. I love it. I want them to do it for like the, uh, you know, the NBC does like an Easter show, the lives. Oh, yes. They did Jesus Christ Superstar, which I'm like, if you want to yes, keep with like the Easter theme, they should do Joseph. <laughs> yeah, they totally should. I think it would be, so anyway, so I had such a joy. I had such a fun time doing that show. Um, but I was called into rehearsal at 11 a.m. and I had an appointment. I actually had left my manager at that point because I just wanted to deal with an agent. And an agent mm -hmm. came and saw me in Bear and wanted to sign me. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to work with just an agent right now. I don't need a manager to manage a whole career. I'm just starting out. And I don't know if that was the right choice or not, but that's what I did. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's, you know, for the viewers listening, it's it's totally individual whether you should have an agent who represents you as an individual agent or a manager who manages your career and can talk to different agents and casting directors on your behalf. That's an individual choice. Anyway, so I had left my manager, was dealing with an agent, and my old manager called and said, hey, this actually came in for you. Uh, I don't know if they knew that you switched. And it was an appointment for Bullets Over Broadway. And it was like two days from when I got the email. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to my agent. Thank you so much for, for letting me know. And so it was at 9 a.m. And I got called into rehearsal at 11. So I went in and I danced. And Susan Stroman wasn't supposed to even come in until 1130. Susan and she Stroman. ended up, yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. Um, oh, she ended up really? coming in around 10, 1030 that morning. And so I was able to dance with dance for her earlier than expected. And they let me go. They're like, go back to rehearsal. And as I was changing, they were like, Casey, actually, can you put your tap shoes on? Stro wants to see you do a couple things. And so she worked with me and had me do a few things. And then I left. And then they said, hey, can you come sing on your lunch break? And so I didn't eat. I just ran out <laughs> on my lunch break. I went and sang. I like, you know, drank a Jamba Juice and came back to rehearsal. And then they said, can you come back and read and sing on your lunch break the next day? And at the end of the day, they called me and they told me. And I was like, I can't believe in a span of 48 hours, I just booked a Broadway show. And they told it was, they, they My agent called me at the end of the day the next day. So it was like, I went oh, in, I did sang on lunch. The next day, I sang on lunch again. And then at the end of that day, they had told my agents I booked it. And I guess that's why you know it, it worked out is because casting, I think, knew that I was right for the track. Mm -hmm. and then Stro saw me dance and really was like, he's great. Mm -hmm. And it was right place, right Unreal. time, meets Unreal. hard work, meets, mm -hmm. you know, and a show mm -hmm. that I was very right for. I had to play, an, again, an Italian gangster, oh, you know, <laughs> in the 1920s, <laughs> who could also do chene jetés and tap dance and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. and that was my Broadway debut. And I did a workshop of the show that fall, and then we started rehearsals for Broadway in January of 20, 2014. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And that was, yeah, and I was... 
20, I had turned 21 that December and that was, that was it. And that was my Broadway debut. That had to be, that's an incredible story. How unreal yeah. 48 hours you find. That's nuts. It's crazy. It's crazy. But here, and because other, other, sorry. I just want to, I just want to mention something because I think this is a learning moment and, <laughs> and because you were in rehearsal and look what you went through and what you chose to do to be sure that you were seen. And this yeah. is so important that people hear this because I think there's young adults out there, many of them that I work with, you know, in various stages of this, who don't look at it that way. They might say, mm -hmm. well, that's my lunch. That's right. not and how I this industry if, works. Yeah. I wonder now if I would do the same thing, you know, because I feel like, oh, do I have to do that on my lunch break? But honestly, I think that's ingrained in me. <laughs> and I think yeah, I don't like, you think so? I From, would roll my eyes a little bit, but sometimes you need to roll your eyes to to get what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do that on my lunch yes. break. And that's yeah. okay to feel that. Yes. But you, then you got to still do it. <laughs> you got to still do it. Exactly. I think the layman has these unwritten rules that are kind of in their head that they mm. think life has to be when you're working or whatever it is that you're doing. And you have to think outside of the box in this industry. You know, and the fact that you just were like, yes, I'll come. Yes, I'll just get this Jamba Juice and go back to another five, four <laughs> to six hours of rehearsal and yeah. move in that space with a with a smile on your face, you know, yeah. being happy and nice about it. And that's what got you there. Because if you hadn't done that, that Broadway debut would have been later yeah. in life, you know? Okay, so Broadway debut. Yeah. And now we can fast forward to how many shows later? Like, I'm <laughs> looking at this some list. Like it. <laughs> six, am I right? So yeah, Some Like It Hot will be number six, which is ah. crazy. Okay, so before we talk about some like it hot, and I want to I want to ask another question about your the series of of shows. I mean, there's so many things to talk about. I almost feel like you could come back again and talk about each one. Of sure, these sure, because it's insane. Okay, so I'm just gonna read through them. So, disaster, Miss Saigon, that had to be an incredible experience. Yeah, and, and it was very... the first time I had done something so different. I wasn't just dancing, you know, I was intense, that's an dramatic, intense, dramatic, like, yeah. And then beautiful King show King Kong. Yeah. That was an interesting type of show to do, but I think because of, it was such an athletic show and it was a community, the 12 of us were on the puppet and dancing and playing roles. So it was oh, a wow. lot of skill sets. Best, there. best shape of your life. Correct. Oh, <laughs> so big puppets. Yes. I'm familiar with the Cirque du Soleil. You know, I'm yeah. familiar with the puppets and how they build those and all of that and how that works. And it is intense. You must have learned a lot. That oh, my God. I, I learned how to take care of myself, I think, is the in a show eight times a week that is so difficult. You have to treat yourself, you treat your, treat your body with kindness outside the show and work on things outside the show just as much as you are working. That's probably the biggest thing I learned. And then teamwork. There's 12 people that it takes to operate this giant gorilla puppet. You have to work together. You have to have communication. You have to be able to like, we did exercises in the audition actually and in rehearsal where you really just are like seeing the periphery of you know people mm -hmm. around you mm -hmm. and, and being able to feel their energy and move with them as one. And that was really, it was a really cool opportunity. I yeah. learned a lot yeah. for sure. We have to talk about Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And of course it was it was interrupted by sadness and covid and all the things but what i want to talk about is you went on for one of the bigger roles can you talk about that experience and how sure. that happened and all that yeah well it was my first time 
understudying a principal role on Broadway and of that type of show. On West Side, I understudied Riff, but that was, you know, a dance role. And that was totally something I could do at 18. But to be understudying, you know, a role on Broadway for the first time was nerve wracking. He, luckily, it was the perfect introduction. He had uh, a few scenes and a great song in act two um, and was, you know, a character, but wasn't leading the show, wasn't, you know, it was a little bit of lighter. The pressure was a little bit lighter. Okay. It felt like this is a great, you know, a great first Introduction role. I had to, you know, to be British. <laughs> I had to be, <laughs> you know, have a song and act two that was entirely my own to belt out at the end. You know, wow. it was, uh, it was a great introduction. And I was still nervous as hell on day one, <laughs> you know, the first time I did it. I was shaking. Uh, did you have um, Did you have enough um, notification before you went on, or was it a thing where you found out the same day? Like, what happened? There? I did actually. He had let me know. I think that it was he was negotiating a personal day for a wedding. His be- one of his best friends was getting married, and so it was in previews when we reopened la- this time last year. And he had let me know, like, hey, it's in. We're negotiating this day. I don't know if I'm going to get it or not, but I'm going to call out if I don't get it because. Mm-hmm. I have to be, that's one of those things where life has to also be important. Your best friend's wedding. Yes. You don't do the show. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And uh, that's just life. That's important. And so he let me know that probably three weeks beforehand. So I had a lot of time to prep. And I had to kind of do a lot of it under my own, under the radar until then he ended up getting the personal day. They, they arranged through it. So it was done the correct way for sure. Um, And so he, yeah. And then stage management, you know, gave me not a whole lot of rehearsal. It was kind of, you know, you can get up on stage, you know, during this part of tech and kind of play on the set a little bit, but it wasn't crazy, which was, was, Mm -hmm. was good. I felt, you know, I had a lot of preparation. I had worked on the song with my voice teacher. I was feeling ready to go, Mm -hmm. which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a lovely process, opened and closed three times. Right, right. (laughs) But I was grateful to have a job coming back to after the pandemic um, that was in theater. I transitioned into the fitness world over the pandemic. Okay, Um, okay. Again, going back to having other things that you like to do, because sometimes you won't work for a while, and it's nice to have a job that you enjoy. Yeah, that side hustle, that other piece of it. So, yeah, um, so it opened a third time. So we opened 2020, unofficially. We're in previews. Opened for real in December of 2021. Mm. Opened again in May of 2022. And then we were closed and we were like, this is it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, well, you know, it must have been nice though to go back into the setting with all of the cast and all the people and be back up on stage again though. Yeah, it was. And it it was a, you know, very sweet show and the people were obviously all lovely. And so, you know, it, it was a feel good show which was nice coming into mm. after the pandemic. Yeah, after and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think I really like cried hard on the final closing night. And as much as I'm, I missed the show itself, but I, I was crying because it was the end of this huge chapter of, of COVID mm-hmm. and the openings and closings of it all. And it yeah. just, just, it's so much, I mean. It's too emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even with Some Like It Hot being the show I'm doing now and we COVID test and that we might run into that you know, down the line, it feels different because it's not um, so back and forth over years of pandemic. You know, I think right. we're at a very different place now. And right. but uh, I'm hoping yeah. that some like it hot is a big old hit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's right. I think it's going to be. I mean, Casey Nicola is directing and choreographing, correct? Yeah, yeah he's, personal he's favorite of mine. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I love him. And I'm, I'm super excited for the show. I can't wait to see it. So when does it open? We start previews November 1st, next Tuesday. Oh, it's I don't know next... when this is going to air, but yeah, we, so we had a full week of tech. Now we have our second full week of tech and then we have our invited dress next Monday and then first preview on Tuesday. Wait, so next Monday, what's the date? The 31st. So it'll air that Sunday. So I will have had a week of previews. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> it come will probably see it. be. It'll be a different show probably by the by the time by this comes the out. End of the first week. <laughs> With how oh previews work. Okay, I have yeah. to ask you this: Gypsy robe? Are you I, getting close? I don't close? think it'll be me. I don't. You know, we have some serious veterans in our cast. People oh, have done you? like fourteen Broadway shows. Yeah. Oh. I think I'm. I'm getting close to being at a point where I would get it. You know, sometimes it depends on the show. I know people who have gotten it with three Broadway shows. Oh, okay. Um, but okay. yeah. Explain a little bit what that is, because not ever, all sure. the people are going to know. Yeah. So now they call it the Legacy Robe, um, and it used to be called the Gypsy Robe, which was in 19, either the late 1940s or early 1950s, okay. Ethel Merman lent her robe to a chorus dancer in another show. Um, I've heard this so many times and probably should be able to retell it perfectly. Oh, you're but fine, you're fine. Um, and so basically from that moment, they started a tradition where the ensemble member who has had the most chorus contracts on a Broadway show, um, in Broadway shows, gets this robe. And it gets passed on through the season of Broadway shows. And now they they patchwork. It's like a big patchwork quilt. And they patchwork, you know, the, the uh, posters of the shows that are in that season that go on it. And so if you're in a Broadway show and you've had multiple chorus contracts, ensemble contracts. It's for the, you know, the hardworking ensemble performers out there. You get this robe and you go around the stage three times touching everyone's hands. And then you have to go into everyone's dressing room in every corner of the theater. And then the show is blessed. And it's this beautiful opening night ritual. And uh, every time that it happens, it, you know, makes me tear up because it's seeing someone who has put the time in, who has had a, a usually a beautiful, bountiful career Mm -hmm. And they get to be celebrated as, you know, having the most contracts on a show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one day I will certainly get it. I hope that I get it before I really start the transition into principal world. Because you don't get it if you're on a principal contract. Right, right, You right. get plenty of other things on the principal contract. Right, it's true. <laughs> this is true. This is true. No, I just yeah. wanted people to understand what that was. I think that's kind yeah. of a hidden kind of thing that, that goes on, you know, behind awesome. the scenes and, and backstage. Well, listen, this has been awesome talking to you. You yeah. have no idea. You shed so much <laughs> light on the process and on all of the things that people need to be able to be successful and you certainly have been extremely successful and i wish you, you all good things moving forward into principal roles is there anything else Thank you'd you. like to mention to anyone oh, to the gosh. listeners be kind be uh, be a hard worker in the room be open-minded especially in the room you know say yes to things that's it be a it. good person be be a joy be the person who they're like oh there's such a joy to be with in the room because you'll always work no matter yes. what Yes, that is that is the top priority. I agree with you yeah. completely. You're putting something, you're playing pretend and you're getting paid to play pretend. So find that inner child and just have fun and, yes. and don't take life too seriously. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that. Thank yeah. you, Casey, so much. Of course. Thank you so much. It was great to chat with you. You too. Have a great day. All right. See you later. Bye. If you'd like to follow Casey to keep up with all that he is doing, follow him on Instagram at Casey Garvin and join me every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern 
And if you need more information, go to lbctalent.com and follow me on socials at lisasolek underscore lbctalent. By sharing our stories, we can help other talented individuals land the career of their dreams.